0: You know, maybe maybe picnics, barbecues, anyone so got any nice plans? Well, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet, but it's it's you've got to make the most of it whilst it's here, haven't you? So uh, you know, um, I, I think I'm just gonna start with this, but you know, every one of us at, at some time or other in our lives has an experience of doing or saying something we shouldn't have or perhaps not doing something or saying something we should have. And often the feeling that lingers after that is this sense of shame and guilt, and, um, and I say it can hang around us like almost like a bad smell, can't it? Guilt is, you know, really an experience that is something that's common to all of us. Now, there's a level of guilt in our lives that is probably healthy, and it's good to be, it helps us to be honest with ourselves, with others, and with God. But you know, many of us find ourselves dealing with guilt in really unhealthy ways some of us perhaps experience it far too often. Perhaps we, accept, we set expectations of ourselves that are just completely unachievable. It's a bit like if you imagine a, a faulty smoke alarm that rather than going off when something is actually on fire, it goes off every time we try and fry some bacon or, or, or toast some bread. Does anyone have that experience when you kind of running around the house, trying to open every window, every door, grabbing a tea towel. all they're good for, really, is wafting it over a smoke alarm. And, um, but, you know, I think for uh, and what happens with that is, is you know, we annoy pretty much everyone in the house. We might annoy half our neighbors as well, but everyone knows that it's coming off. But for some of us, it's like we've become desensitized to these feelings of guilt. Like, we've become so fed up with our, this oversensitive smoke alarm that we've, has anyone ever done this? You've ripped the casing off, just completely fed up with it, pulled the batteries out, just to stop the alarm going off, but then forgotten to put the, alarm, the batteries back in again afterwards. I wonder this morning how, how we do relate to guilt. Maybe we have a healthy experience of that, but I wonder whether some of these might resonate with us this morning. You know, Perhaps we, we tell ourselves that when we mess up, it's just well, we're just human, aren't we? That's just how it is. That we should just do whatever makes us happy and ignore the consequences. Often the mantra, you know, you hear a lot is, if it makes you happy, just do it. Or alternatively, perhaps we lower our expectations of what we, we can do. So much so that we mess up, when we mess up, we feel nothing at all. Or perhaps we try and numb that pain, that feeling of guilt and shame, From those times we've messed up, maybe we numb that with alcohol, with drugs, with TV box sets, by shopping, by shutting ourselves away from the world so that we'll never make that same mistake again. Or perhaps some of us, we press into doing really good things, maybe, you know, seeking justice, reading our Bibles, doing really good things to try and make up for our own mess. You know, the problem is if our smoke alarms aren't working, we won't know when our house is on fire. We might enter into unhealthy relationships. We might find ourselves spiraling into depression. And we won't even realize it because the alarm has stopped going off. And I think for many of us this morning, we still carry scars with us. We pretend things don't affect us, but deep down, they almost haunt us. They stop us from becoming the I that I can really be. But you know, I think there's a better way for each of us to deal with guilt. And you know, as we prepare for Good Friday, Easter Sunday, we're looking at the shadow of the cross. And we're going to be exploring parts of the Old Testament part of the Bible, the point towards Jesus, many years before he even lived. And today I'm going to be asking that question of us, how can we get free from guilt? So we're going to um, read a bit from Leviticus this morning, which might scare some people. It's going to be okay, people. It's going to be all right. But before we do that, let's just read. To, let's just pray together. Lord, I just want to thank you that you are here with us this morning, and I thank you that you have something to share with each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that the words that you want us to hear this morning, would you speak them deep into our hearts? I pray, Lord, that for each of us, we would just hear what you have to say to us. I thank you that whether we know you or whether we don't, you are reaching out to us this morning. So I pray that we would know more of what it means to live lives that are free, to live lives to the full. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read this morning from Leviticus in chapter 16. We're going to start from verse 1. So if you have Bibles, if you have gadgets, why don't you turn to those now? It's going to come up behind me in just a moment as well. But let's, let's read together. This is entitled The Day of Atonement. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die. But I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with Mm -hmm. linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash round him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments. So he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to make two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoats. Aaron shall bring the goat, whose Lot falls to the Lord, and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord, to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Now I don't know how familiar you are with the book of Leviticus this morning, but I'll be honest, I find it a tough read sometimes. Whether, you know, perhaps you've been reading it um, now and again for years, or whether this is the first time you've heard any of it. You know, there's so many rules and rituals, sacrifices and offerings. You might be left thinking, what has this got to do with each one of us in West London today in 2017? But my hope is that as we delve a little deeper into this, that whether you've been following Jesus for years, whether you haven't made that step, Today is going to be a day, I think, where we grasp a little more of how deep, how wide, and how great God's love is for each of us. And the length that he went to ensure that we don't need to live lives that are full of shame. And instead, we can live lives that are free from guilt. So let's take a little closer look at the background. Now, the passage we've just read is perhaps the climax of the whole of the book of Leviticus. And it talks about the Day of Atonement. And for many, you know, it's the most important day in the Jewish calendar. Now unlike many other Jewish holidays where there were great festivities, this wasn't quite so much fun. It was a day for mourning, for repentance. It was a time for each of the Israelites um, to reflect on his own sinfulness, all the stuff that he had done wrong over the past year. But it was also a day where God's people could be set free from debt, from slavery. They could be cleansed and be forgiven of their sins in order that God would continue to live among his people. Now, we, when we read this passage, we can read it on its own. as a slightly odd, I'm going to just name it, you know it does sound slightly odd, slightly outdated ceremony that took place thousands of years ago. But we can read the whole thing as a signpost towards the coming of Jesus into the world and specifically to his death on the cross. Now often when we read the Old Testament part of the Bible that's that's before Christ, we see these intentional similarities between things, people, places, events, with similar things, people, places, events in the New Testament after Christ. And there's a technical term for this which is called typology. And if we when we see it, we see it in many places through Scripture. And with the Day of Atonement, it, uh, it foreshadows and anticipates this greater permanent cleansing of God's people, which was be, to be accomplished by a better priest who offered a better sacrifice, that being Jesus who offered himself. And this morning, I just want to put out three things from the, these verses in Leviticus, help point us towards Jesus, and I think will help each one of us to live free. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is how each of us can have access to God. Now, back in the time of Moses and Aaron, you couldn't just walk into the most holy place like we walked into the auditorium this morning. Aaron, the high priest, he spent hours preparing himself to meet God. In verse 3, he said he brought a young bull for a sinner offering. He brought a ram for a burnt offering. And then in verse 4... He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with the linen undergarments. You can't forget the linen undergarments. And then he has to tie a linen sash around him and put on a linen turban. And because those are sacred garments, he then must make sure that before he's done that, he has to bathe himself with water. I'm not sure what he bathed himself with at other times, but, you know, water seems quite sensible. And then he has to take two male goats for a sin offering. That must have taken quite a bit of effort and a ram for a burnt offering as well. Now, looking out this morning, I can see that some of you might have also spent hours getting ready to come and meet with God. Others, perhaps less so. But, you know, when we choose to accept Jesus into our lives, and we accept his forgiveness, it's like each of us has been given an all-access areas pass. We walk into this place freely. But when we think about what do. It was just one day in a whole year, the day of atonement. That was the only day that the high priest could walk into that holy of holies. And as we read in verse 2 um, in, of Leviticus 16, it says, Tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place, behind the curtain, in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die. That's scary stuff. And sometimes you know we, we, we forget how all-powerful God is. Imagine, though, if you would have left something in there. Like, you know, if you're, if you're uh, maybe you're working in an office and you, and you leave something in a meeting room, you know, maybe you've left a pen up and you have to burst in as, I'm really sorry, but I forgot my pen. you have to wait a whole year to go and get it back, which would be really tough if it was your favorite pen. But, you know, the whole area of the most holy place was protected by this curtain, and I, I just want to take a little bit of a sidetrack here, just for a moment, okay? I'm not. Um, I'm going to talk about curtains for a little bit, which sounds a little bit strange. I've not gone crazy. But this was not just any curtain. I hope you can see the words up there behind. But, you know, this was a curtain that was 60 feet high and at least one inch thick. So when we get to um, to later on in the Bible, that's, that's, that's what God uh, instructed them to make. And now, the curtain had two purposes. It... it protected the people from the power of God, which was probably quite wise um, with the warning that Aaron had on his life, and to protect God from our sinfulness. Because it was the holy place where God dwelt, the holy of holies. Now when the temple was built in Jerusalem to take the place of that most holy place, this curtain was extremely significant to the whole setup of the Jewish temple. People just weren't allowed to go anywhere near it, let alone behind it. Jesus died, something extraordinary happened. Mark chapter 15 records this, and this is from verse 37. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. If we read that on its own, we might focus on the death of Jesus and think, you know, when we think about the curtain, we have a big deal of like, you know a curtain got ripped, but Knowing what we know about the importance of this curtain, it carries a huge amount of significance. The curtain that separated the people from the presence of God was torn in two supernaturally by God from top to bottom. Now the fact that it was torn from top to bottom, where humans couldn't reach it, unless they had a huge, huge scaffolding, which I don't believe they did, emphasised that it was God who caused it to be torn. Now My wife, Kathy, when she was growing up, she has three brothers, um, and uh, when they were growing up, they had this three-bed home with her mom and her dad, and it meant that space was at premium, particularly when they were well over six foot. Which makes it all the more surprising, there was one room in their house where no one was allowed to go apart from Kathy's dad. And that was because that was where all his records were stored, and his speakers and his stereo system was all set up. And it was un- literally under lock and key. No one could go in there. Now, Cathy, every now and again, had the privilege of going in there on special occasions. You know, maybe once a year or so. But for our younger brothers, as far as I understand, well, they were not really allowed in there. But, you know, th- things changed after a few years, you know, as the kids got older and stuff. And slowly, that door was opened more frequently. And, you know, Kathy's dad was slightly re- less worried about his records and his speakers getting damaged. So much that he eventually got rid of all his records, and and now his music flows freely through the wonder of modern technology into every room in the house. And you know, I think that's a pretty awesome picture of what Jesus' death on the cross did for mankind. Access to God is no longer under lock and key. It's freely available to us whenever and wherever we are. Not because God is any less holy, but because he has given each one of us access to him. You know, in what Jesus did on the cross, the power of God is released to us when we accept Jesus into our lives. In dying for us, Jesus covers every last thing that each one of us does. He covers over our sinfulness from God because he took it upon himself when he died for us. He was the perfect once and for all sacrifice. And this barrier, this curtain that once separated us all from the presence and holiness of God, is torn in two from top to bottom, allowing us through Jesus to enter into the Holy of Holies. God said to Aaron, Spend hours preparing yourself to meet with me. Jesus says to us, Come as you are. And you know, we can come with confidence. If we read from Hebrews um, 4, just going to read from ver- a couple of verses from verse 14. Jesus, the great high priest, therefore. so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. All of us, each one of us, can approach God with confidence and boldness. There is no need for us to hold on to our guilt. I wonder this morning how confident are we to enter into his presence. Do we really know that we have access to the Father whenever and wherever we are? When you go into work, maybe when you're picking up a coffee in the morning, or when you're shopping in a supermarket, wherever we are, Jesus opened the way for forgiveness and entry into the presence of Creator God. And when we look at the Old Testament context, we see how privileged we are. But, you know, when we get things wrong, when we mess up, we we still feel shame, we feel guilt, don't we? We want, like back in the Garden of Eden, we want to hide from God. We want to hide also from those that we think will be disappointed in us. We don't want to be exposed. And so for some of us, I think we need to examine why we feel guilty. We may have oversensitive feelings of guilt, but there may be things that as we sat here this morning, we need forgiveness for. We may have done or said things that just weren't okay. And there may be people we need to go to and apologize to and make things right with. Because for each of us, however good or not we might seem on the outside, we all need to be made right before God. And that's why all these years ago, sacrifices were so important. Let's take a look back at verse 6. As this Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering, to make atonement for himself and his household. So the first sacrifice is for the high priest. The high priest himself has sinned and messed up. And so before he could carry out the rest of these rituals, he had to make himself clean. And this is one of the biggest differences to what we read in this passage, to what we see in Jesus we go back to Hebrews in chapter 9, just a couple of verses from verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, he is not part of his creation. Verse 12, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. So, obtaining eternal redemption. So, Jesus came as high priest. He didn't need to sacrifice an animal to give himself access to God. He had never sinned, and so he had no need to make himself clean. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. The blood that he shed was not like the goats and the calves that were sacrificed in the Old Testament. He's sacrificing his own blood. He defeated death and obtained eternal redemption and forgiveness for us all. Now let's just have a quick look at those next two sacrifices. Verse 7 through to 10. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. So the goat chosen by the Lord by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used as a as, as, to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. So the first goat is to cover the sins of the people. The second goat, which we'll come to in a bit, is offered as a scapegoat. Now the point of this first goat is that God provides a substitute to provide forgiveness for sin. Now, Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And someone or something had to pay for all those sins that have been committed. Now, we read through, you know, 21st century eyes, and it seems pretty tough on the old goat, doesn't it? But in those days, you couldn't, you know, save a picture on your phone to remind you or buy some kind of image that would give you that sort of reminder or write it down. People needed something real and visual so that it stayed with them. And the group clearly did that. And you know, when we think about the goat, you know, the sins of the people were symbolically transferred onto that goat, And the goat took the place of the people in being sacrificed for their sins. And when we think of, of how we deal with our own guilt, some of us, like I've said already, we have oversensitive guilt senses, like the smoke alarm that goes off every time we try and cook something. Others of us, Perhaps we feel more immune to guilt, but the reality lies somewhere in between, because each of us are messed up. Each of us falls short of the glory of God, and so our sin needs to be paid for in some way. And so each one of us de- desperately needs forgiveness to wipe that clean. On the day of atonement, the high priest sacrificed a goat on the altar, and the blood was shed so that the people's sins could be coming for the, could be covered for that coming year. On Easter Sunday, a high priest, Jesus, sacrificed himself on the cross. And blood was shed so that our sins could not only be covered, but completely wiped away for all eternity. And that is the good news of Easter. And I just want to read his famous verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He doesn't come to condemn us. He doesn't expect us to carry guilt around with us. He comes to pay our price, to forgive us and to give us life. But God does not only provide a substitute, he sends our sins far away so that our guilt is completely washed away. The second goat brought to the most holy place takes on the sins of the people and is driven away from the camp into the wilderness, never to return, carrying the weight of the nation's sins. God provides a scapegoat for his people. You know, We, we live in a culture that loves to lay the blade, blame on others. You know, it was his fault. He was driving on my side of the road, or the wrong side of the road. It wasn't my fault. McDonald's was just right there. And it's also a term we love to use in football. Normally when the England football team gets knocked out at the quarterfinal stages of a major tournament. Not that that's ever happened before, but it's at this point the media love to lay the blame at one person's feet. And back in 1998, David Beckham... I don't know if you remember him, he used to play football a bit, not very well, but um, he was sent off for kicking out another player who then reacted ever so dramatically. And when England got knocked out, the blame was laid firmly at the feet. David Beckham was a really unknown figure at this time, he was young, no one really knew who he was, but it was was he, it wasn't the referee, it wasn't the player who, who It wasn't the opposing players who were asking the referee to send off that the blame got laid out. It got laid at this young man, David Beckham. And some people around the country even created an effigy of him, um, which was you know pretty pretty horrific. But you know, it was Beckham who carried the weight of England crashing out of that tournament. I've heard he turned out okay in the end. But, You know, the second goat, the scapegoat, symbolically carried the weight of all the sins of the people and was sent away into the wilderness, never to be seen again. When Jesus died on the cross, he carried the weight of all our sin. Jesus was the sacrifice without defect, the Son of God completely without sin. But, you know, when he took on the sins of all of us, Amen meant that he, like that goat that was sent out into the wilderness, he was completely separated from God, his Father. Jesus cried out on the cross as he was dying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, why have you left me all alone on my own to deal with this? Jesus took all that on himself because he wanted each one of us to live life to the full. This isn't some half-hearted life that where we, you know, we pop into church once a week. He wants us to to live a life and live um, a kind of faith that expresses this love whenever and wherever we are, bringing hope, life, and love into the places that He's called us to be. A life where we are truly free from shame and guilt, where we don't. Care years this morning, that each of us can live free from guilt, because virtually we have access to God. We can enter into that holiest of places because of what Jesus did on the cross, because that curtain was torn in two, and we can enter into that place and experience the fullness of presence and life provided a substitute, and the ultimate scapegoat. He took our place, and he he sent our sins far, far away, that we don't need to carry them with us if we accept his forgiveness. I'd love to give us some opportunity to respond this morning. I just sense for some of us that we are carrying a huge weight of guilt and shame. Jesus did on the cross because of what he achieved for us. Perhaps some of us, I think, we struggle to forgive things that have happened maybe in our past, maybe just in the past week. We need to be able to let go and to forgive. And some of us have just sense we need, you know, perhaps you've, you've never made that step of following Jesus. And this could be that opportunity to do that this morning. So what I'm going to start by doing is I'm going to I'm going to pray a prayer. Now, if you if you want to accept Jesus, you want to receive the the, the freedom and the forgiveness that he offers us, I encourage you to pray along You may be praying that for the first time. You may have prayed it many times before. But just encourage you to pray along with me now. So why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes just so that this is this is this is between you and And God, this is between you and your creator. And I thank you that you know and you love me so much. And I thank you that even though I've messed up so many times, I can be forgiven. I don't have to carry the guilt and the shame of all the things, all the times that I've messed up in the past. And Jesus, I want to accept the forgiveness that you offer me. that I've done that are wrong. Jesus, I just say I'm so sorry. And I pray that I would be able to live a life that is full of forgiveness. That I would experience the freedom of being forgiven and be able to release that to others. And I want to say yes to you this morning, Jesus. I want to say yes to you. I want to say yes just prayed that for the first time, but you've never invited Jesus into your life before. I just encourage you just to, as as I look around, just look at me, wave at me, smile at me, anything, just let me know, because I just love to connect with you. So I'm just going to look around now, just look up.